Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 9th, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book and we are on page 19 in There is a Solution. We're reading the very first paragraph only, which begins, none of us makes a soul vocation. And comments will be on that paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Stacy T, the 12 traditions, Nancy H. And readers of the text this morning are Renee A, Allison L, and our handy-dandy backup, Katie G. The share ID numbers for Monday, April 8th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,754. 12754. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 12,756. 12756. And our newcomer greeter will be Jody E.Q., followed by the second hour, which will be hosted by Leslie M. All right. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll now ask Stacey T. to read OA's 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Stacey T. Recovered in Cleveland, the 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for your service, Anita. Well, thank you for yours, Stacey T. And I'll now ask um, Nancy H. to read Always 12 Traditions. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and thank you for yours, Anita. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. All right. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book 
And we are on page 19, and there is a solution. And we'll be reading one paragraph, the very first paragraph, which begins, um, none of us makes a soul vocation. And I have asked Renee A. to get us started. Good morning, Renee. Good morning, Anita. Um, okay. None of us make a sole vocation of this work, nor do we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. All of us spend much of our spare time in the sort of effort which we are going to describe. A few are fortunate enough to be so situated that they can give nearly all their time to the work. So um, my name is Renee A. I am a recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, I, I actually, when I looked at this paragraph, it, I, it was helpful to me to kind of go back and look at the context and so on page 18, uh, he's been talking to us about some of the consequences, and he talks to us about how, uh, you know, compulsive overeating engulfs everybody who touches our lives. Uh, then in the middle of the page, he talks about all of the people that, you know, have tried to help us, psychiatrists and, you know, parents and our friends and different things like that, and how... Um, you know, most of the time those people are unsuccessful. And then he talks about how, you know, we're situated and, um, you know, uh, with a unique gift or a unique ability to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters. And, you know, when I read um, the paragraph that we're talking about today, and he talks about we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning, a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And that just immediately takes me back to the 12th step. Um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And so, you know, today I have to remember that I, I really have been given a unique and very valuable gift. Um, it was given to me freely. Um, I, I will never forget the woman who 12-stepped me in here, um, you know, over 25 years ago. And, um, you know, today uh, I, I really have an obligation to give that gift freely to another suffering compulsive overeater. Um, and, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful gift and it's, it's one that, that we're uniquely situated to pass on because, you know, we can help the still suffering in a way that nobody else can. The other thing that I was reminded of when I was looking at this is um, my need to use this as an indicator or a barometer of how my program is going because, you know, it, it tells me that, um, that I need to, you know, pass this gift along and, um, you know, I need to ask myself, am I doing that? And if not, I probably need to look at, 
you know, the condition of my of my spiritual life. Um, because if I have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, I'm going to want to pass it along. And um, so, so for me, that's also uh, can be used as an inventory to kind of let me know how things are going with me. So um, I'm just I'm grateful to be able to do service. I hope you all have a great day, and I pass. Thank you so much for getting us started, Renee. All right, who else would like to comment for approximately three minutes? And if you haven't shared, say Friday or yesterday, please put your name here. Harlan G. R. K. Just okay. Wait a minute, Hila. I can't see you all. Wait a minute, a minute. Okay, wait now. Everybody, pause a minute. I'm I'm hearing all the names in my head. Let's see. Is this right? You tell me if I'm missing anybody. Harlan and Nessa and Larry and Kim G. There could be another person. Kelly. Tina S. Wait, all three of you had already spoken? Tina S. (laughs) I think it was you, Tina S. And Kelly Kelly and Nancy P. And that'll be it for this time. Kelly S. Nancy P. All right, we got our first batch. Our batch isn't the right word. All right, Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you very, very much for your service, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. What is this paragraph telling me here that is so important for me to hear that it's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? This paragraph is telling me that the elimination of drinking is but a beginning. Now, there is something that I have probably heard at just about every meeting that I went to of OA in the first years I was here, and I hear it occasionally now, although at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club, they don't dare say it because they know I'll jump on them. And what is that myth? The myth is abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. False. False. I am abstinent. And I have over 20 years of abstinence, which I'm very, very grateful for. And I've been up for about an hour, so I've got about an hour today. The most important thing in my life without exception is for me to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, because if I do not do that, I will not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. And what happens to people so often, including me, what happens to people so often is we get so focused on the abstinence, which is important. I am not, now please don't come away from my share saying, Harlan said we don't have to be abstinent. I never said that. But the byproduct of abstinence is not recovery. But the byproduct of recovery is abstinence. See, there's a big difference there. I can remain abstinent for a long period of time. And if I'm not on it, I'm going to, if I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing, if I don't do the steps, I am going to eat again. That is certain because those emotions are going to well up inside of me. And what does it say here? As was just mentioned, a much more important demonstration. 
of our principles. What are the principles? The principles are the steps lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. That means I must work the rest of the steps. He's particularly going to step 12 there. All of us spend much of our spare time in this sort of effort, which we are going to describe. A few are fortunate enough to be so situated that they can give nearly all their time to the work. So what is the most important thing in my life today without exception? The most important thing is to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. Work the steps, have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, and the urge to eat is simply not there. And I can remain abstinent as a byproduct of that, and I can do so happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks so much. Thanks, Harlan. Now we have Nessa, um, Nessa R and then Tina S. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning. I mean, I think batch is a very apt word for, uh, for the bunch of us. Um, um, so good morning, mission <laughs> for you. Uh, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And, um, you know, Harlan is a very uh, a tough act to follow. But I also want to comment on this. Um, you know, elimination of our drinking is but a beginning because, you know, this explains to me why diet didn't work. Because in diets, I eliminated the food that made me fat and I lost the weight. However, my goal was not even to be abstinent. My goal was to lose the weight. And of course, once I lost the weight, um, that impetus went away and um, I gained it all back. Um, you know, thanks to the fact that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that keep me in the hamster wheel of the cycle of disease. But this paragraph, is, this line is telling me two things. That, um, as Helen said, abstinence cannot be a goal. But abstinence is the beginning. Without abstinence, and not only just abstinence, but it has to be qualified, entire abstinence, where I eliminate 100% all the uh, uh, food ingredients, foodstuffs and behaviors that get me into trouble 100%. If I don't do that, it doesn't matter how hard I work the program, I am going to achieve nothing. So it is a beginning, but it is not the goal. And that's what this um, line also tells me. It's but a beginning. And my goal is the attainment of a workable and permanent solution to my disease. And that workable and permanent solution is a relationship with God. And I can only attain that as I work through the 12 steps as a line in the big book. Because when I first begin, when I put down the food, and even when I get to step two and I admit that I need God in my life, that doesn't give me access to God. I still have a lot of blockages in my way. Uh, and those blockages are my self-centeredness, my self-seeking, my um, selfishness, my fears. And I got to clean all that up to, uh, to, to, to open up the channel to God. And the only way that I've been able to do that um, is by, by working the steps. And this is what this paragraph is telling me. If it wasn't the case, anybody could be abstinent. Anybody um, could be on a diet and, and stay on a diet. So I have to keep my eye on the prize. And my eye on the prize is um, God as the solution, God as the uh, source uh, of ease and comfort to carry me through the tough spots and not the food. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nessa. 
Tina S. and then Larry K. Thanks so much, Anita. Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida, Florida, Florida. Uh, yeah, and I'm. I really was on on uh, same page with that batch. We are a batch for sure. Uh, I love that actually. <laughs> So, um, you know, what a great, great paragraph, and I really love the shares. You know, one of the things that I know, and this is just for me, you know, is that, you know, I really, too, have to be entirely abstinent um, because I've tried this deal without being. But, you know, the the prize, like I heard talked about, which I love, is, you know, a, a relationship with a power greater than myself, which will solve my problems, you know. And, and one of the things that stuck out for me on here was that um, – that we don't make a soul vocation and that it's not a, it, it won't be effective you know if we did it's not more effective if we do you know what we we try to strive for or i do is to carry you know the spiritual awakening that i have the change in my um attitudes and behaviors and ideas into my world you know so that i can be a citizen of the world again and not be so selfish and self-centered so through the process of a spiritual awakening and the transformation transformation a psychic change that i have allows me to be different in my life today to be that example that someone who has the same disease as i can you know live this life one day at a time free from the bondage you know and so when i think about that and i love it was also some i think the initial share talked about you know that once i've had this psychic change and the um, spiritual awakening. I want to do this. I want to give this thing away. And that's what has happened for me. Because prior to, I did it so that I could not eat. You know, and then when I had a psychic change, a transformation, I do it today. Because I want the people that have the same disease as I to have the same solution as I do. And have a life beyond their wildest dreams like I feel I do one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. All right, uh, Larry K. followed by Kim G. Morning, Larry. Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. <clears throat> um, Larry K. recovered this morning. Such wonderful shares. It says a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. You know, putting down the food and, and beginning this 12-step process was but a beginning and um the the reality for me was i i used to live uh mindlessly uh sort of on autopilot most of the time and and, and i was it, it was this it was if i was playing a game of follow the leader you know and there was one leader in town uh, me didn't didn't work so well and now you know i get to i still get to play follow the leader only the the leader is my higher power the leader is god and the more spiritually mindful that I become, you know, the more the more aware that I am of some of these higher principles, these higher truths. As I walk with God, I try my best to always falling on my face. But you know what I find? The less I suffer, I grow. You know, I find that there's more meaning and satisfaction in my life. You know, and, and, and at some point, um, you know, when, when we put the food down, just the beginning, we, you know, you, you, you know, when you when you straight when the spiritual malady kind of becomes straightened out, we yeah physically and mentally, emotionally, we get better. So I at some point I no longer sought to 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 lose weight. There came a day when I no longer sought to lose weight or gain weight, right? And what what I seek today is we seek to tap into things, other things like 
uh, gratitude and humility and acceptance, these principles. And I find myself occasionally even tapping into forgiveness. You know, I'm, I'm no longer driven by things like, uh, you know, success or failure. Just kind of, I have intentions and God has intentions. And then, then, then I get to have acceptance, right? And, and you know, if, if I lose my sense of purpose, I tend to telegraph that to others. But, but when I have my eye clearly on the ball, the ball is, is what Harlan laid out and everyone so eloquently talked about is this relationship. When I have my eye on that ball, I tend to declare to others that as well and everything that I do. I demonstrate it, right? You know, to make a great dream, I, I, you know, for, to, to have this dream come true, I, I had to have a great dream first. I had to have hope, and you guys gave me hope. And then, and then you know, slowly I come to understand that the greatest principle of all was love. That's the greatest principle. I did, you know, the food, putting that down was the beginning. The gratitude that I can love and I can love and be loved today. Sounds so cheesy, right? But that's really what this is all about for me. With that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, Larry. Thank you. Uh, Kim, good morning. And then it'll be Kelly. Yes. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive overeater. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. You know, and I'm just sitting here reflecting on my own experience in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I came into program in 1994 in the mid-90s, and at that time, there was eight tools. And one of those tools was abstinence. And um, there was something back then, what we called fat serenity. And what that meant was, we, oh, we're just going to accept that we're fat, and we're just going to feel, try to feel better, and we're just going to work the spiritual part. You know, it was explained to me as a threefold illness, not a twofold illness that the big book talks about, but it's physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I had the choice just not to work the physical part and try to work the spiritual part and try to control my emotions. The goal was to feel better. Now, this is my opinion. What happened towards the end of the 90s is World Service seemed concerned that people were just not doing the physical part. And they decided to change the tool of abstinence to a food plan with the best of intentions. But once again, my opinion was what happened was it made abstinence the goal versus abstinence versus just being a tool. And that the goal now was abstinence versus a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. So my experience, again, was certain groups went from fat serenity to worship now of a food plan. You know, for six years, I was in a militant, don't eat no matter what, don't eat no matter what, fear-based, restless, irritable, discontent. Damn it, if I'm abstinent, everything's okay. Not working the steps. And that's why I love the clarity of this big book. Abstinence is about the beginning. I have this twofold illness. I need to be clear of my binge foods to address the larger aspect of my illness, which is the mental twist, which is treated by the steps in a spiritual awakening. You know, for many years, I thought the best I could do was one day at a time fight the food and hopefully go to bed abstinent, exhausted, and feeling beat up. Now I understand, and I've experienced for the last eight years, contented abstinence, not wanting my binge foods, and not even caring that my binge foods are in my house or in my office or anywhere around me. So the, the, the directions here are put down the food, work the steps, Practice these principles not only in OA, but in our home, our work, 
vigorously commence this way of living, and abstinence becomes effortless. Abstinence is no different than the other things I do, like brush my teeth to take care of myself. I experience those 10-step promises on a daily basis. So I want to end by just letting assuring you, I know to the core of my being, I am a compulsive reader. Let me also assure you, because of putting down the food and working these steps, I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. Now it'll be Kelly F. and then Nancy P. Good morning, Anita. It's Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma. Recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. So great shares, of course. Um, So I really wanted to talk on this. Um, We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. So what this made me think about was, um, like other people shared, you know, I've been around for 30-something years, and I just always thought that was the goal, to be abstinent and to lose my weight. Bottom line, that's it. And this line, this part here, reminds me of the part in the big book where it talks about the guy coming out of the storm shelter, and and he says, hey, Ma, ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing, you know, and that was me. It was like I, you know, uh, Kim talked about fat serenity, but I also have the, um, you know, we talked about stark raving abstinent. And who cares if um, how I'm treating everybody around me? I'm abstinent. I'm going to bed abstinent. I'm laying my head on the pillow, and I've got another day of abstinence, you know. And I'll talk to people, and they are crazy in their jobs, or they're crazy in their relationships. And I'll be like, how are things going? And they're like, oh, my God, everything's crazy. But guess what? I'm abstinent. And I, I'm like, no, no, that is not it. Because I did that for years, and it did not keep me abstinent, did not get me to this recovered state we've been sharing about on this line. That is but the beginning. I do have to put the food down 100% black and white, which I did miss that part. Let me put that in. And then I have to get busy practicing these principles in all our affairs, all my affairs. And I heard somebody say one time, you know, he called it the front door syndrome. It's like I have all this great recovery until I walk in my front door, right? And it makes it a lot harder to work it around my, my family. You know, it's like somebody said, they push my buttons because they help install my buttons. And um, so I'm learning to work these principles. And, and, you know, it's like, and when I do my nightly review, I'm seeing that I, my family members are, are not on there as much. And my work stuff's not on there as much. I'm having to do less tenth step as much because I'm practicing these principles on all my affairs. And I just wanted to share this real quick that I'm starting to see this in my family. I have this thing like, well, all the people on Vision are always sharing about how the family is always telling them all the time about how recovered they are. And they've really changed. I'm like, well, my family doesn't tell me that very much. My sponsor pointed out, um, what are your motives? Is it your ego that you want to look better or do you really want to be better? Are you wanting to be an example of recovery? And so I had to really look at that. Today I am seeing the progress in my family and my family is changing along with me. And am I getting the accolades? No. And did my ego miss it? Sometimes, you know, but it's the point is my family's doing better. I'm doing better. I'm abstinent today and I'm not creating a storm around me. I'm not kicking the dog. I'm not yelling at people and or okay, I'm not doing all those things as much. And I am recovered and I have neutrality with food. And I'm having peace of mind and I'm learning to walk this thing in every area of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Kelly S. All right, Nancy P., good morning. Nancy P. Sorry about that. I thought I was I thought I was after somebody else. Um, 
Thanks for um, letting me share. Yeah, I um, I echo what everybody else said. I I it took me a long time to get um, to get the message and to really know it in my bones. And because I used to go to meetings and for decades, and I would see thin people, and I thought that was you know they would get up and say things like if as long as I buy the broccoli, everything's okay. And um, I thought I'm buying broccoli. I buy plenty of vegetables, and nothing's okay with me. And you know, for me, it's all about surrender. That was the key. When I surrendered, everything became clear. And I had the very good fortune yesterday of going through the doctor's opinion two separate times with two different people. And um, you know, that really brought it to the front of my consciousness that you know the seething cauldron of debate of that abstinence is going to fix all my problems. I wished that was the truth. I wished just not eating compulsively was the answer. But as others have said, when I started working the steps and practicing these principles in all my affairs, whether I wanted to or not, um, then I started to get better. And, you know, I've walked through some pretty tough things and, uh, you know, I'm still walking through them and, and continue, you know, just to make sure I'm getting the message, my higher power is putting more and more things in front of me that I have to walk through without eating compulsively just to make sure that I get it. But, you know, I had an epiphany um, a few months ago that these things are not challenges for me. They're opportunities to get closer to my higher power and to help others. And I, you know, my experience used to be that, you know, when I when I was sponsoring, which I A, had no business doing, and B, was just only an inconvenience and, and, and just a pain in the neck. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't help anybody. And today, helping other people is the joy of my life. And, um, you know, I was told when I was going through that I would get better if I taught these steps to other people. And, and so I've tried to do that to the best of my ability and 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 in addition to not being able, not wanting to do this for my whole life, it doesn't mean that I have a life if I'm only teaching the steps all day long or going through the steps with other people. I have to be kind to people when I don't want to be. I have to I have to look at all of those things um, as opportunities. And I've had opportunities in exactly the areas that I need them to learn. You know, I've gotten feedback that says, "Stop being a jerk." And um, and, you know, not for crosstalk, but I actually asked my husband, Kelly, if he, he's noticed, you know, like sort of like patting my hair, have you noticed how great I look? And he thought for a minute, he goes, yeah, you know, like nothing special, but yeah, I guess I've noticed a little bit of a change. So, you know, I sort of had to, you know, walk away with my tail between my legs because that was exactly ego. Now I just keep my nose to the grindstone and um, I, you know, I just try to do, be the best person that I can, mother, wife sister, friend, employee, employer, and a citizen. You know, I, I try to do the best that I can for everybody around me. Mm. And I do a nightly inventory. Thank you. I'll wrap up. And I do a nightly inventory to make sure that I've done exactly that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Nancy P. Um, I just for anyone who came on late, we are reading one paragraph. It's the first one on page 19. None of us makes a sole vocation. And there was somebody's voice, a little woman's voice, that ended, the initial was C. Are you still here? There was somebody I missed on the first batch. With it the was C. Nicole C. in California. Okay, Nicole. All right, now let me get a few more. Who else would like okay. to? <laughs> Joe M. Oh, let's, 
again I'm here <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> thank you this is Nicole C I'm in California you have great ears uh, that you heard me um, thank you for serving and uh, I I really enjoyed uh, hearing all the shares today really great chairs really powerful shares and you know for me I know people that do have their most of their life to dedicate to this work and they do they dedicate every spare moment they have and it's it's great to have them because they're able to carry us to another level in this fellowship which is you know very much needed i i have so many uh family and work obligations that i'm i'm not able to give as much but i do give what i can when i can and I think that that's really important because I don't think it's designed for it to be convenient for me. I think that it it's um, divinely inconvenient and, and that's important. And I need to be willing to pass this on in order to keep it. And I think it's also really important to remember that I can't give it away if I don't have it. You know, if I'm not spiritually fit, if I'm not, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, trying to serve God to the best of my ability, and I'm, I'm trying to give away something I don't have, it's just going to pass on the mess. And I, I hope not to do that either. And I love so much what people have shared about um, that abstinence is a result of a um, recovery, and that, you know, recovery isn't the result of abstinence. I've I've had both. I've had you know, I'm, I've got a great food plan and I'm, you know, abstinent and shouldn't my life be fantastic and restless, irritable and discontent. I'm wondering why I can't be comfortable in this world without, you know, looking normal like everybody else. And then I've also had you know, real recovery where food is an afterthought and I need to eat it and I need it to fill me up with fuel and I needed to get by, but it's not the center of my focus. And for me, I just want to be free, you know? And so what that looks like for me is uh, serving others and making sure that I'm spiritually connected in every way possible. I, I need to have that spiritual experience every day with God and my fellows, because if I don't, I want to change the way that I feel because I'm looking for something to fill the hole and I'll never be able to fill it. I'll never, ever, ever be able to treat compulsive overeating with um, money, 
property, power, prestige. I'll never be able to treat it with the next thing that's coming my way. If it's the next job or, you know, the next house or the next car, that's never, ever going to treat my compulsive eating, having a better situation, having better friends, having more material Mm -hmm. items. Thank you. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I have a chance to know all of you on this line. I pass. Thanks so much, Nicole C. Joe M., good morning. And then it'll be Melissa C. Joe? Yes. Hi, I was unmuting, so sorry. I, I don't think I heard you say my name, but good morning. Okay. Uh, my name is Joe. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Joe, and I am a compulsive overeater. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And I love that sentence. I consider that my work in Overeaters Anonymous, my work in recovery, is a behind-the-scenes discipline, which means that the vast majority of people that I come in contact with don't know, nor would they care, that I'm in a 12-step program. What they care about, I think, is how I show up for them, how I treat them, how I talk to them, even the small interactions. Um, you know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm getting a ride in an Uber or a Lyft, uh, I think all that driver cares about is how I'm interacting with them, how, how respectful of a passenger am I. Um, if I'm at the airport, if I'm at the grocery store, if I'm at the post office, um, I think all they care about is me being a respectful customer, someone who's uh, treating them with respect. The people I work with, I don't think they care if I'm in a 12-step program. I think they care that I show up and do the job for which I'm hired. Uh, do I listen well? Do I ask good questions? Am I producing the work that they're paying me to produce? So I'm very glad to be reminded of that today with this one line, which is a a wonderful line. I think they put it very clearly. Um, And I I don't think anyone would be impressed uh, if I were to say, gee, I'm abstinent and I've been abstinent for X number of, you know, days, weeks, months, or years. Um, I don't think that's part of the way they think about things, most people who I come into contact with. So it's really a wonderful check on my ego um, that while I'm very active in this behind-the-scenes discipline, the the in-front-of-the-scenes discipline is much more important. Thank you. I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, Joe M. Melissa C., and then it will be Nancy H. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, yeah, so... (laughs) It's like most of us aren't um, lucky enough to be doing this kind of work full time like the rest of us. Poor schlubs have to go to work. And, um, and I've got to practice these principles in all those affairs. That's where the demonstration of these principles are coming to, you know, coming to work. Because I find it so much easier to practice these principles amongst all of you, amongst my fellows um, who are interested in recovery. You know, it's easy. Um, it's easier. And, and at work or at home is really where I have to practice this because that's where, um, you know, my purpose is to demonstrate the power of God. And, you know, and so how do I demonstrate it? It's not, um, you know, initially um, it's like, it's in the physical body. It's, you know, for in the beginning, 
it was I did get that, um, wow, you're doing a really good job. And it was solely focused on physical. It was my family saying, wow, you really, you're still doing this thing. And they were thinking only about food. You know, but when you're, when you show up in a normal-sized body but you treat people like garbage or you're pouty and you withdraw, um, no, that's not a demonstration of these principles. And, you know, so like right now, um, thank you, God. I guess I'm growing spiritually. I am really uncomfortable in having, you know, a continued conflict at work. Um, and my problems are of my own making that I'm I'm still an addict. I still have um, some some things that I need work on that I, you know, but I have the principles of this program um i i am praying i am meditating um you know i am i'm having a resentment towards some coworkers and you know so what that i'm a normal sized body they don't care but if i'm pouty and i stop sharing ideas with them or um or i say little cutting comments um or i do things strictly to get my my back padded, um, they don't care what I look like. They care how I behave. And I'm saying the sick man's prayer. I'm saying that spiritual developing man's prayer because I learned that here. Um, and I'm saying it not happily, I have to say. Like I told someone, I don't even want to say it. And and they're like, that's right. That's why you need to say it. So um, I'm, I'm just grateful that I have this meeting, that I get to learn what to do here and then I get to practice it, you know, in all my affairs. Practice it, you know. That this is the practice. Um, not achieve it, practice it. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. All right, it'll be Nancy H. Followed by Naomi B. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, this paragraph is important to me because... I used to think abstinence was the most important thing in my life without exception. And I figured that if I was abstinent, then everybody ought to just bow down to me because I was doing something that I couldn't do before. But then I realized as I recovered in the program that the elimination of, of our eating, you know, is, much, is but a beginning. And I realized that if I don't live by the principles of the program, then I'm not a very worthwhile human being with my uh, family, with my friends, uh, in, with OA people. Because I'm not present. I'm usually not present if I haven't been working the principles. And so the, the measure of my abstinence nowadays is how am, I gonna, how am I helping others and how am I working the principles. And I didn't even used to know what the principles were. And then I finally learned them. And I, um, I started reciting them in the morning. Holy Spirit, let me be, uh, you know, let, grant me the gift of abstinence, but also the, help me to live by the principles of honesty, hope, faith, courage, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to myself one morning, if I lived by all these principles, I would be a wonderful human being. You know, not because I'm ego-driven, but because I, I, I'm living by what I need to do in order to keep my abstinence and in order to keep helping other people and being available. So for me, um, the demonstration is in how I am in my respective home. I, um, with my ex-husband, we're very good friends now, and we care about each other almost more than we did when we were married. And that's because... I came upon these steps and I made amends to him for the things that I felt I had done. And as a result, um, I said that I was trying to make up to him, which you can't take the path back, but I was trying to make up to him by living the program. 
and being a better human being. And I've changed so much, and I'm not um, blowing my own horn. I'm just saying that it amazes me some days at how much I've changed in my behavior. And because of that, things are, are so much better. So for me, um, I do have to be abstinent to begin with. Um, I do have a much better chance of understanding these principles and these steps and the traditions, which I'm studying now. And I, I just um, feel like I've got something to give, which I felt before I didn't have. And I tried it. It says we make a sole vocation of this. Uh, none of us make the sole vocation. I'm retired, and I figured I'd have all kinds of time to do this. And I do. But sometimes I don't do as much as I can because right now my job is to become a better sponsor. I'm learning from someone how to be a better sponsor. And by doing that, I, it's almost like a full-time job because I go back to her at night and I say, well, this is what happened. And then she makes me do the work. She makes me do the writing about what's going on with me. And as a result, I'm doing my 10 steps and I'm doing my principles because I'm starting to uh, change my attitude towards people. So for me, sponsoring is a very important tool. Uh, helping others is an important tool. And the last thing is helping others by doing service to people that are in my family, not just in OA, but the primary purpose is to abstain mm -hmm. and to help others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Anita. Thanks so much, Nancy H. All right, now we'll have Naomi B. and then Darian K. Hi, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Oh, great. Thank you, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. There's some key words that jump out at me in this paragraph. Sole vocation, effectiveness, elimination, demonstration, respective. You know, it's one thing when I'm sitting in a group of one of my OA meetings, face-to-face -face meetings, with, their, or with my peers all around working this program. You know, following the principles, following what we're supposed to do. It's another thing when I'm out driving and a car cuts me off. Or or I'm at the daycare center where I work and some of the kids are acting up. That's where the principles come in for me. And I, too, oh, my gosh, I, too, cringe, cringe when I hear people say that abstinence is the most important thing in my life. I want to puke. <laughs> That's it. Because, yes, it's important, of course. But my higher power is the most important thing in my life. It's because of my higher power that I'm able to do these things, that I'm able to wake up and get out of bed in the morning. And, yes, I'm abstinent. And, yes, I follow the principles and the, t and the tools. But I have to say that... I, there's no way I can make a soul vocation. I'm a little too busy for that. But I carry the message. I live the message when I'm in the supermarket and someone can't take a cart back or when I'm, like I said, out on the road and someone cuts me off. Bless him or bless her and change me. Because this is what the program teaches me. And I do live this program every single day. I have to, to survive and Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Naomi B. All right, uh, Darian K. Good morning. Hi, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thanks. Okay. Hi there. I'm Darian K. Recovered compulsive overeater in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. Um, oh, so good to hear everybody. Everybody's sharing. Um, you know, I, I. <laughs> 
I've been around a long time as well, since 1986, and, and that's definitely what I heard for many, many years. Abstinence is the most important thing without exception, and the most spiritual thing I do is weigh and measure my food. And, you know, in the beginning, because I treated it probably like a diet, um, it was something that clicked with me, I guess, to some degree, because that's all I knew was, okay, I've got to lose weight, i got to change how I eat. And so it made sense, I guess, in the beginning. But <clears throat> like other people said, and I don't really have a whole lot to add, is um, when I first started doing the steps, and I've been doing the steps really all through my program, um, I remember the first group that I did the steps with, I did say, um, I feel stark raving abstinent. I feel like I'm just white-knuckling, gripping onto my food plan. And <clears throat> I don't want to feel that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and I need more. There's got to be more than just putting down the food. And um, and going through those steps um, and doing them, not just reading them. You know, we can do that at a meeting. We can just read the steps and not do them. And and I would just prefer that. I mean, that's a, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And boy, that's something that I. I bristle at, and so um, doing the steps, actually doing them, and working the fourth step and the ninth step, and and taking on other people and doing steps with them is just so important for my program. I know that today, and working with others and showing, like people said, how this program works. Because yes, people at work see me eating, you know, my veggies, and they think I'm, you know, this angel from heaven because I'm only eating good foods every day. <laughs> um, they don't know how much work, just like that swan, right, that's gliding on the, on, the, on the waters. But underneath, I'm paddling very rigorously, doing a lot of work to stay stopped um, one day at a time. And um, thank you, thank you for everybody's share today. I so appreciate everyone, um, and have a great day. Pass. Great. Thank you, Darian. About a minute and a half. Who would like it? Jen A. All right, Jen. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service today. Um, let's see. Jen A. recovered in Colorado. So I love it, you know, that we're talking about how I have to eliminate something. And that's the food. So I put down the food and then um, I get to work. And after I do the work and have a spiritual awakening, then all these um, principles come, come up, right? And I remember learning about the principles for the first time because I came in as a pretty immoral um, girl. Um, I was gloomy and depressed and fear. Um, I cowered at everything I, unless I was going to run you over. Um, I was kind of a badass, right? And I was arrogant. And I could be really hateful. And I flew by the seat of my pants and just, um, you know, I, I, never, I never wanted to keep going. I always wanted to change jobs and give up and give up on this and give up on that. I was the 80s material girl, right? I needed things. Um, and I was definitely a taker. And when I came in here and I signed this contract with my creator um, to live a spiritual life, um, because I was told that, um, you know, God was going to grow me. Um, I said, okay. So putting down the food was easy. I think the hard part today is practicing these principles in all my affairs, um, in all my relationships. 
with my kids and my families and my coworkers and every single person in my life, you know, and I have a 17 year old son who once called me out. He's like, you know, mom, you weren't very uh, gracious to that guy at the store. And I said, I wasn't. And he goes, no. And he's like, I know you're trying to be a better person. So perhaps you can look at that. I was like, okay. Yeah. But um, today, you know, I live in the principles. I, I, I pray that I do. And when I'm not, you know, I get to get right-sized, and, and, and I get to get more aligned with God and look at, at me. And you know what? It's just so beautiful how when we go from, um, you know, this, this uh, girl who is just such a mess, but then God gives me a heart more like his each and every day. And now today, I pray, God, help me to be a demonstration of the transformation as a result of working these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Jenna. All right, what a nice meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for the meeting we've just all participated in is 12,759. And we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, Allison L., would you please read that for us? I will. This is Allison L., recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. <clears throat> the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. <clears throat> Excuse me. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <clears throat>